Welcome back to the Christchurch Students Podcast. In this final episode, Dave takes us from God's people entering the Promised Land, through the monarchy, exile, empires rising and falling, right up to Jesus' arrival. Now, what have we got to? Well, Exodus, the Torah, that is the first five books of the Bible, um, are the, um, the story of the, the wanderings and the conquest of the land. So we've now got, sorry, not the conquest of the land, the, the wanderings. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law of, of the Bible is, is there. And this is where the history gets, shall we say, slightly more complicated. So let's have this little sheet. Now, what we're going to try and do is um, try and get this into some kind of sense. Um, Old Testament history after the Exodus, please, if you could. Um, that side, not the other side, for a bit. Um, sorry, I meant outline of Old Testament history first. I beg your pardon. Um, so go over that one. So let's see what we've done so far. I hope you're with me. The books of the Bible are down the left-hand side. Yeah. The date is down the left and the right-hand side. So you can see what we're doing. So what we've done so far is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's the family. Then there's the big gap. Um, and then we get into the period of Israel and Egypt. Then we get the Exodus. And what we get to then is the conquest, the conquest of the land, which is where we go to Joshua. So if you can turn to Joshua, please. Um, but just so that you've got that timeline in your head, we're, we're still only half, we're not halfway yet from Abraham to David to Jesus. But we're going to Joshua. Um, somebody read the first. Ah, oh, this is this is great stuff. The beginning of Joshua. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done a study on Joshua, Sam? You ought to do Joshua. We have. Yeah. Was yeah. that a new refresher? Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. Somebody read the first few verses again. I'll like I did with Sarah. I'll stop you when you get to a certain place. Anybody offer it? Yeah. Go on, Sam. Go for it, mate. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of man, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers before them uh, to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's that's fine, thank you. I'm not to find the the tribal lands, but I haven't done it, so that's very naughty of me. Uh, let me just, if I can, 
the land of the twelve tribes. There it is. Now, um, sorry, I'll be with you in just a moment. There will now be a short intermission. No. That's the best. That's the best I can do. Oh, there we go. Sing along, Sarah. We like it. We like it. I think it's really. I Right, here we go. Here we go. This is what you need. Um, just so that you get the context here, here is the land that's described quite geographically accurately in, in that bit that we've just had read to us. Um, here's the land of the Euphrates is up here. The Hittite country, as I told you, is up here. Uh, the Great Sea is the Mediterranean here, and the desert is here. So, there is the new land of Israel, as, as defined. Go and take that land. Here's all the tribal little bits, they were all settled. Ten and a half tribes were west of the Jordan. One and a half tribes were to the east of the Jordan. Hello. Um, so we have tribes settled all around here. Um, Ephraim, Dan, Naphtali, all these people were places. Now because, you know where that came from? Because when they were in the desert, Jethro came to Moses and said, Oi mate, you're doing too much. Do you remember that? Jethro came and said, delegate, basically. Uh, he said, delegate, because you, you'll never last otherwise. You'll, you'll drive yourself into an early grave. And, and that's when the division happened, and they were, under these various names, were put into the, the tribal setup. So when they came to the land, they were given um, a place which was theirs after the conquest had happened, and Joseph's wonderful military, and jo um, Joshua's wonderful conquests. I could grab it on about all morning. Do come and Yeah, it was there. There we go. Um, and and so that's the way the land was colonised. And uh, you know it should have been great, shouldn't it? We're now the promise has been fulfilled. They are God's people in God's land, enjoying God's blessing. They've they've conquered the land pretty well, most of it, and and therefore they should have settled very nicely here. But notice what surrounds them. Um, the, all the ites that I mentioned to you earlier. I mean, here's Moab, the, the other side of the Dead Sea. The Ammonites, um, the Canaanites, who were scattered. Here is the land of the Philistines, as near as right today, the Gaza Strip. Okay, down here. The Amalekites, who were a plague on the wanderings. They were an absolute menace, the Amalekites. And of course, the Stalactites, who lived everywhere. <laughs> sorry, uh, that's, that's five you've had. Five, <laughs> five terrible gangs. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, and up here, you know, you've got the Syria, Syrian Empire is here. There's Damascus there, so Syria, you know it today. Phoenicia, the land of the sea people. Phoenicians are connected to the, uh, help, Tunis, Carthage, Carthaginians, got it, in the end, um, who, who were the sea people. They, they peddled everywhere. And, and so were the, the Philistines, were great sea people. You want to think. Um, and, and so these, they're, they're not living there in glorious isolation and wonderful. All the Canaanites did not walk out when they came in. They had to be conquered and they became little pockets all around this area of, of tribal living. So that is the, um, that just so that you get the modern context, here is Israel, 
the light green. Here is what's usually called the territory of the Palestinians. There is the Gaza Strip. This is what's called the West Bank. Um, and the West Bank, if you notice very carefully, you can't see it here, but the, the line between the West Bank and true Israel goes right through the middle of the city of Jerusalem. So you have a Jewish quarter, you have a, an Arab quarter in, in Jerusalem. And you it's can tell... The dark green... Um, that's a very difficult question to answer, you'd be amazed there, actually, because it, it is and it isn't. It's land that is Israel, but it's been ceded to the Palestinians, but Netanyahu keeps building Jewish settlements in it to provoke, um, I would say, but other people would disagree with me. Um, and they also land the, the land of the Golan Heights up here, and the reason they, they conquered that in the Six Day War in 1967 was to stop Syria lobbing rockets there into Galilee. Galilee was a dangerous place at that time because they were lobbing all sorts of rockets across the Sea of Galilee. So it wasn't a nice place to be. So they conquered that as well. So that's modern day Israel, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and of course Egypt with the Nile here. Okay, so um, there's the conquest. Now everything's gonna be fine now, of course, isn't it? <laughs> God's people in God's land enjoying God's blessing. What's the judges about? Well, the judges, they're not guys with funny wigs on, uh, sitting in courts. Judges are leaders, literally saviors. Where's my little piece of paper on this? Um, this is the pattern. I can give you a copy of this if you want it, but you can easily uh, do it yourself if you want to. That is a, a, a sort of typical representation of the book of Judges. So what do you have? Israel sins. So... The Midianites are a pain to Gideon's time. They're an absolute menace. Um, they're constantly causing problems. Um, Israel sins. God pronounces judgment. Um, Israel repents because a saviour is sent. So the judges in, um, are essentially people who are sent to deal with difficulties that are happening in one particular tribal area. You will always find a judge is a person who goes into an area and deals with that particular tribal basis. Um, and uh, if you want an example, uh, let's go... Um, no, the best one is, is Gideon. Yeah, chapter 7 of Judges, if you just go to that... Um, that sets out um, the story of the problem. Verse 2, chapter 7, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. Midian was a particular tribal area uh, of Canaanites and they will be in an absolute pain and, and therefore God provides someone to deal with that situation. Now there's some very interesting stuff you can get out of judges. Some people, if you, if you draw the judges uh, on a map, um, you get a, um, what's that shape called, a spiral, and, and it goes in like that. You can almost get that, and some people overcook that, but, but it kind of cycles into Jerusalem. So that's a fascinating study of judges. If you want something to do, get a good PhD on, then do, do this, the, the horseshoe pattern, the, um, the, the spiral of, of, of judges, and, and in it comes. And, and nothing at the end of judges is completely solved. If you look at the end of Judges, um, the people, um, 
the last words of Judges are some of the saddest words in the Bible. Do you know what they are? The old phrase used to be, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In my Bible it says, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. The land is in chaos. So the end of the Judges period, again go back to the timeline, this thing. Um, you, you have a period of the Judges where there is going to be um, a lot of problems. And if you remember at this time, there are various empires going around the place here. We, we'll just go to that for a minute. Um, Egypt and anything around it was not terribly powerful. Again, I haven't got the time to, to paint this picture, but when, if you're going to study it, always look at what's going on around. What's going on in Syria, what's going on in Babylon, what's going on in Egypt, what's going on. Hittites are almost irrelevant, but these, these empires, who's powerful and why? Because they have an influence. Because if you've got a relationship as an Assyrian king with Egypt, you're going to go through Israel. And therefore, that's why some of the kings later in, in, the, New Test in the Old Testament form alliances with Egypt. Because it, it's going to keep them secure. Uh, Ahab was the shocker, you know, Jezebel. She wasn't a, a, a God's people person at all. Um, she was a right rottweiler, was Jezebel, I tell you. Um, but she caused a lot of problems in the land of Israel. Yeah? So there we go. So there's judges. Judges and then the people long for a king. Um, because they say, everybody has a king, I'm not a king, basically. So, you know, we want a king. Chapter 8, verse 1 Samuel. Turn to it. Again, when you get a minute, these vast holidays you guys get, you know, pick yourself a person and read about him or her. Samuel's a great lad. He's a lovely bloke. Samuel, verse 8, chapter 8. Um, somebody read it, please. Uh, 1 Samuel 8, verse 1, until I stop you. I'll read it. Go on, Jess, go for it. You can read it. Chapter 8. You all right? Okay. Great, thank you. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his Sorry, can I just stop you there? That's Judges. Um, the leaders is Judges. The same word, okay? So, sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. That's fine. Thank you ever so much. That's great. Now you can see the way this is moving. Um, the lands around, all the ites, the Malachites and so on, all had kings. 
So they perceived that they were different and they wanted to be like the other ones. The one thing they should have said was, we want to be different to them. We're God's people and God is your king. You don't need a king because, uh, and, and so it's an act of grace really that God says, okay, you've had kings, uh, all the other guys have kings, you can have a king. And so let, let's appoint one and, um, you know, this displeased Samuel because it's a rejection of God's kingship really. And, and so we get into this period of what's called the monarchy. Um, and the monarchy is occurring around about the 1000 BC mark, the precise dates you can find for yourself. Um, it's on your sheet here. Um, David's 1000, so Saul, I think it's 930, most people write it's 930, 950, somewhere around there that's, that, um, uh, sorry, 1050, um, that he comes to, to power. Um, and all the three, there's only ever three monarchs over the whole of Israel. Um, the first one is Saul, the second one is David, the third one is Solomon. So that is what's often called the period of the monarchy. Um, and every one of them, in their own way, started well and went downhill. Uh, they are sad in so many ways, and yet David is regarded as, as the great king of Israel, and yet, of course, he was the one that went walking one night, saw a lady fancied and got rid of her husband in the front of a battle. So he wasn't angelic by any means. Um, so that's this, this period now, we come into this where supposedly the tribal situation was still in place, but there was a very much a sense of um, a land of Israel, there was a, a country, there was a place called Israel now where, where the land is, is God's people together in their tribal bits um, and, and that, that should have been great, should have been superb. Um, but it didn't last, as it so often doesn't. And what we then get is this period. If you turn over your sheet to the other side, oh, you've got it's ten fifty. I was right. Oh, ten a day, one a day. You're a bright guy. You really are. Solomon ten fifty to ten eleven. David ten eleven to nine seven one. Solomon nine seven one to nine three one. So you're no longer than just about one hundred twenty years of monarchy. Um, and of course, David wanted to build the temple. God said, no, you're not. You've been a naughty boy with Bathsheba, so you're not going to build the temple. But Solomon is. Solomon's temple was amazing. Apparently, Solomon's temple was just terrific. And of course, it's only a replica of the tabernacle, which had been put up in the desert as the place of worship. It was the, it was the shrine, it was the center um, of, of what was going on. Now, then, we, we get problems. Jeroboam um, and Rehoboam become the leaders. Now Rehoboam was uh, the first king of the divided kingdom. This is known as the divided kingdom period. And um, it, it's very much his problem that he creates. He, he tries to take vast amounts of tax off people. He generally is a, a stroppy bloke who thinks he's got more power than he knows how to handle. And so the northern kingdom breaks away, Jeroboam. The ten tribes of the north become known as Israel, and the southern tribes become known as Judah, because it's Jerusalem, yeah? So we get the beginnings of a divided kingdom. Um, now, if you, if you want to look at this, um, I, I can do it on another sheet of paper, but I haven't got it copied for you. Um, but you can get all the references to it. Where's it gone? Yeah. 
Uh, if you want this piece of paper, I'll get it copied for you later, but it's got all the kings and all the references to them in two kings and places like that. Um, so I'll leave it there. If you want to sort that out for yourself, then um, just somebody, I'm sure, will sort it somebody. But this divided kingdom period is, is messy. Uh, it leads to something because the northern kingdom is centered on Samaria. Samaria was its capital. Uh, Jerusalem was the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, and Israel, centered on Samaria, never came home from the exile. We'll get to the exile in a minute. And therefore, the, the southern people thought they were rubbish. And those people are called, bless you, those people are called Samaritans. And Jesus tells the story about a good Samaritan. You've got to be joking. There's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Because he comes from that northern kingdom. And if he's got any sense, a Samaritan does not go home directly. He comes down to the Jordan Valley and he goes up the Jordan Valley and cuts into his land that way. In Jesus' time, he would not have done it because, you know, he was, ah, Samaritans stink. So the fact that the good Samaritan picks up a Jewish guy and a Jewish priest walks by is saying something very much bigger than simply a fact that the bloke was kind and put a half-dead guy on a donkey. Yeah? So again, the context whips it up a level all the time, if you understand these things. Um, so what we then have then is this split kingdom. Now, what begins to happen then is the beginning of the rise. This is where you're really going to hang on to your seats here, guys, because this is going to get interesting. Um, what happens at this point is a, is a quite confusing series of events. Assyria has begun to grow as a power. Forget the other two names over here. Assyria is the business, based on Nineveh. Um, and from about 900, towards the latter end of the monarchy, um, just after the, the, the kingdom split, just when it needed to, and Assyria is rising as a power. And Assyria as a power is huge. It, it's a massively strong. They have alliances with Egypt and they're looking for territory and in 722 BC they come and they wreck the northern kingdom and the kingdom of the north Israel is no more it never comes back now what we've got to slot into this here this is when it gets interesting for you guys who want all this background is turn over to the side where it's got the prophets mentioned and they're little arrows either side of the kings. You got it? Yeah. Now, prophets um, are God's replacement team for kings. There's a lovely phrase that repeats in Chronicles. You know where Chronicles is a much later book. Uh, kings records it at the time. Chronicles is a post-exile reflection on the whole thing. So Kings is written um, when it was going on. Uh, Chronicles you'll see several events repeated, but, but taken in a different kind of way. Chronicles is a post-exilic book, almost certainly. Um, I just hope it's there, and it's not. It's on the other, the other side, shows where Chronicles is. Where does it say? It says it's there. No, it's not there. No, nobody thinks that today. Um, that's out of date, sorry. Um, so some of the prophets were before the exile. We call them pre-exilic prophets. And they are warning about what's going to happen. Now, the classic one of this 
the one I love anyway the most is Isaiah. Um, I won't make the crack, okay, I promise. Um, but he was quite tall. Um, Isaiah 8. Go to Isaiah 8 with me. Now, I, I think when I preach in the pulpit, I'm, I'm fairly gentle and gracious and loving to my congregations when I preach to them. These guys won. These guys did not muck about. Um, go to verse 19. And uh, you see there what's going to happen. By the way, you know that funny name I said to you earlier on? Mahal Shahal Hashbash. It's in 8-1. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, because of this, go back to verse 6, first of all. Because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh and rejoices over Rezin and the son of Remaliah, therefore the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty floodwaters of the river, the king of Assyria, with all his pomp. It will overflow all its channels, run over all its banks, sweep on into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, and reaching up to the neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. O Emmanuel. That is an awesome, awesome prophecy. It's saying Isaiah is a pre-ex-Southern Kingdom prophet. He's preaching to Judah. He's on the left-hand side of your, your uh, diagram there, isn't he? Um, he's very much proclaiming um, those things to the people. He's not there, is he? Yes, he is, of course he is. Mm -hmm. 7.50, that roughly, Isaiah. Um, probably a, a court man. Uh, Amos, in contrast, a man who lived near Bethlehem, Tekoa, and went to the north and prophesied. Mm -hmm. uh, and was a farmer, probably. Uh, far various things, but when and you, you read Amos, I hate your stinking assemblies. I put one word in there which wasn't in the Bible, but I hate your assemblies. You know, they stink, there's no heart in them, they're rubbish. Come on, boys, wakey wakey. Um, and, and so these guys were, were God's word now, they're God speaking to the people to repent and to come back to Him. It's the same story that we met earlier. You know, you people are wandering away in all sorts of different funny ways that you think you know best. Well, you know, look at your own self in a mirror and you see the same picture, don't you? You wander away, you do what you think's best and you don't consult God on it, you don't give him time in prayer. Whatever, I know best, God, I'll clock in sometime and talk to you, but... And this is what was going on in the, in the nation. The people were saying this over and over and over again. And these prophets were coming in and they were... They were speaking truth and saying, if you do not, what will happen is the rivers of, of Nineveh will come flooding through your land. And in 722 BC that happened. And it was absolutely awful. Uh, people were carted off. And as I say, the, the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, never reconstituted. Um, the Samaritans, by the time of Jesus, were a motley bunch of some returnees, some Canaanites, some goodness knows what, Hittites. Uh, they were a, a, a real messy, but not clear God's people. So um, at this point, you know, after 722 BC <coughs> when that happened, um, the people of the south must have thought, 
Is it us next? What's going on here? And there were prophets, and you can see a lot of them here. Um, if you look at the left-hand side of your Judah column, you've got Joel. By the way, Joel is a very, very difficult book to date. It's got nothing in it of history. So Joel is put there, and I would roughly agree with that, but Joel could be equally well be a lot later. But you've got prophets like Nahum, you've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Habakkuk, Obadiah, then Jeremiah, the miserable I Read Jeremiah sometime. He gets a rubbish press as a miserable old kid, but he's not. He's <laughs> I love him. I think he, he just says it as it is. You know, you guys are going to get whopped if you don't do something. <laughs> and, and you know what happened in 701 BC, soon after 722? The king of Assyria comes, and he comes, I mentioned this earlier, he gets all the way down to Lachish, which is about here somewhere, just where the point of that paper is. Mm -hmm. And he camps there, and, and he's gone all the way down the coastal plain, the green bit, and he gets to Lachish somewhere around here. And again, you can see this at the British Museum. And, and these people here in Jerusalem must have thought, it's only a matter of time before this guy turns up. And he actually, Sennacherib, the king, camps around Jerusalem. And one morning, the people all get up and they're gone. They've completely vanished. 701 BC. Where's he gone? What's happened? Now nobody really knows what happened. Whether there was something in a, a, a national crisis at home, that's one theory. The other one is that some dreadful plague or disease went through the camp and they thought we'd better get out of here because we'll never be able to fight. Um, but they went, 701 BC, and Judah was saved. Now, if you're preaching about grace, it's a beautiful example of God giving these people over another hundred years to repent and return to him, which is why the prophets, Nahum, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Obadiah, are all preaching. When you read them, for goodness sake, realize that Israel's gone, Sennacherib has camped, he's vanished, so you should know that God is a good God. So for goodness sake, repent. Don't teach those books unless you give people that context. And they know. The ones, the ones at the bottom there. If you, if you look at 700 on your little diagram, yep, come across there. Anything below that is, is preaching to the people of the south after the north has gone. You got it? Yeah. Okay. So that's profound. That, that there should be this, this shifting of, um, of emphasis in, in, in all that's going on at this time. Um, because there's evidence just north of them that ten of God's tribes people are being dumped in, in Nineveh. Um, quite profound, isn't it really? Um, there we go, that's what's happened. But, then something significant happens. I told you this was going to get interesting, didn't I? This is when it gets difficult to follow. Around about the end of the 7th century, uh, so actually the, the, the date to remember is 605 BC, the Babylonians were getting absolutely fed up with being a vassal state of Assyria. They were, they were part of it, they were down here. That doesn't help you. It's, it's really here. It's, it's Ur again. We're down here in the, the bottom end of Mesopotamia is where Babylon is. 
Um, Saddam Hussein recreated Babylon, didn't he? He re rebuilt Babylon. All his coins have Saddam Hussein on one side and Nebuchadnezzar on the other. Because I am as big as Nebuchadnezzar. Really? Yeah, no, oh, yes. All his coins at the time had him on one side and Neb, Neb on the other. Um, so they were a vassal state of this empire of Assyria. Assyria then, you know, tried to exact all sorts of taxes and penalties on these people. And the people of Babylon said, rubbish, I'm not having this. So they, they moved steadily but surely up the Fertile Crescent, up the valleys. And there was a great punch up at a place called Carchemish, 605 BC. And that was the end of the Assyrian Empire. Finito. And it's now Babylon. So Babylon has taken over from Assyria. Do you see how this gets fiendishly complicated in terms of God's, God's story? But what we then know is that Babylon was also, in the same way, interested in territory. And so it's Babylon that come to ransack Jerusalem. And in 587, 586, it starts from 605, bit by bit, the people of God were carted off to Babylon. Hence the psalm, and if you dare sing the Boney M psalm, I will throw something at you. By the rivers of Babylon there we sat and wept when we were in Messiah. They were carted off, and Jerusalem was wrecked, and they took with them all the sacred goblets that had been put by Solomon in the temple to, to celebrate the, the festivals of the Jewish people. And, and they all got carted off to, to Babylon to be used in, shall we say, parties? But you can fill in the gaps there, guys, can't you? So we have this awful um, time where the Babylonians um, have a slave nation. Now, the Babylonians at this time were very civilized. They had gardens and they had 360 days in their calendar from where we get 360 degrees in a circle because their mathematics was really quite hot. They invented zero, probably. There was no zero before then. The number zero was never invented. Some people think it's Hindu, some people think it was Babylonian, but it was. They were very, very civilized people. The gardens, the river flowed through their city. Hold on to that, we'll need it later. Mm -hmm. So the exile was, what's it done? Well, it's, it's taken us back, which is why sometimes in the Bible, the exodus and the exile are almost interchangeable because they're the same idea. They're God's people not in God's land, not enjoying his blessing. So you sometimes hear accounts of the exile referred to as Egypt. Babylon and Egypt become interchangeable as terms. Okay. Um, and then we get the emergence of another kingdom. This is getting too hard for you. I told you this was hard, didn't I? Just hang on in there. East of there is a place called Persia, which we call Iran today. Uh, and they were growing as the Babylonians, and again, didn't learn the lesson of the Assyrians of trying to tax people and be horrible to them. Um, but the, the Persians down to the east decided that they were going to conquer Babylon. Do you know how they did it? This is how we think they did it. Um, the river flows through the city, doesn't it? So why not divert the river around the city and walk in on the riverbed? You just wouldn't expect an army to come up a riverbed. So that's what they did. And if it coincides with anything, we're into Daniel here, we're into the time when 
God's people were thinking about getting out of there. And uh, there was a feast, Belshazzar's feast, Daniel 5. And the writing appeared, oh, I'd love this to be a video, wouldn't it be great? Thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. And in that night, Belshazzar the king was slain and his kingdom divided. That's the conquest of the Persians, the Babylonians. If they did walk in on the riverbed, I like it. Um, it's, it's pretty certain. Some people don't think it happened that way. Um, but they, the, then the Babylonian Empire's gone. You know, that's the end of them. Um, and the, the Persians then kept coming east, west, sorry, that way. Uh, I'm going to keep the other way up. Um, they kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And, and the, the Persian Empire became huge. It got right up here somewhere, right up to Greece. Um, but the kings, Cyrus, Darius, Darius the Mede, Mede was part of the Persian Empire, um, allowed the people to come home. And so you get the coming home of a group to rebuild the temple under Zerubbabel, who of course was the tennis player in the Bible, you knew that? No? <laughs> Nehemiah played in the courts of the Lord with Zerubbabel. No, that's awful, isn't it? That's terrible. Sorry, that is that's the worst one yet. That's the worst one yet, Sam. I'm sorry. You've had six now. Come on, Sam. Be grateful. We're stealing all these. Yeah, there won't be any more, I promise. Well, Sam is complaining. Yeah. Yeah, well, perhaps one more I can pull in. So, Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple, and Nehemiah built the wall. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can see part of Nehemiah's wall. It's probably twice the thickness of this, the width of this room. It goes up and up and up and up and up. And it's still there. And, and if you read Nehemiah, great story, Nehemiah. They all sat there. You can actually see signatures on the wall where Sam built his bit, Jack built his bit, Michael built his bit. You sign the wall. And uh, you can see the little signatures of, of, of the guys who sat there. And they built with a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. And Sam Ballot and Tobiah sat opposite and said, ah, even a fox climbing on that wall will break it down. That's literal. That's Nehemiah. Yeah, what are you building a wall for, you stupid idiots? No, it won't last. But they built with a will. And then they dedicated it. What happened next? Ezra stands up and preached all day. How about that for a... Plan that in your next director's music, Sam. <laughs> Let's have a preach all day. And he stood up and he preached, he preached, he preached. And the people returned to the Lord. They're back home. In God's house. In God's land enjoying God's blessing. And what happens? So you get a prophet Haggai, who's post-exerc. And Haggai says, you have lined your houses with the trees of Lebanon and you've neglected the house of God. How dare you? Um, and you know, if I said that to people, you know, you've just ordered your 20 grand kitchen and you've neglected giving to God's ministry, I'll get shot. But that's what Haggai said. What are you doing? You know, what's your plan? Um, and then the post-exilic prophets, you know, try and bring people back, but, um, and the Bible finishes with Malachi, otherwise known as Malachi. Um, and Malachi is 400 BC, and there's nothing in the Bible between 400 BC and Jesus. Just like you've got the 400 Exodus Genesis gap, you've got an enormous great gap at the end here. Now, a little thing happened during that time. A little fellow called Alexander the Great had a wonder. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, remember I said the Persian Empire has come 
all the way up through here. And at this point, Alexander comes on the scene and says, Oi, not having this. Um, and marches them back, conquers the Persian Empire. Some people think Alexander actually saw the Himalayas, but what he was after was the Silk Route to the east, because he knew there were riches down there, that's what he was after. And he overstretched his supply lines, a la Hitler, a la Napoleon. When you overstretch your supply lines, you get clobbered. And they think he designed um, Alexander died probably of a sexually transmitted disease in Babylon in his 30s. That was the end of him. But his military conquests are legendary. That all happened in the period of the Persian conquest by the Greeks. And the Greek then become the cultural centre. And the, all the Greek culture develops at that particular intertestamental period, as it's called. Yeah, between the period of the Persians and the Greeks conquering. And then the, um, what's happening in Israel is a revolt. Uh, they were always revolting, but they, they revolted. Uh, it's called the Maccabean Revolt, the Maccabees. Uh, the Maccabees gave rise in the end to the Philistines. The, the Pharisees, what am I talking about? Pharisees, getting confused in my old age. They gave birth, as it were, to that pure group of people that stick to the Jewish law and everything's got to be done by the law, which Jesus hammered, of course, with their pride. Um, but that's their root. They come out of that Maccabean revolt and there's a, a group of Jews called the Hasmoneans who give birth, as it were, to the, the Pharisees and they become these legalistic people, which is where we get almost to Jesus. And this is the loveliest bit. Take this home with you and rejoice in it. Because what happens is that the Rome emerges as a much more powerful empire than Greece in terms of military might. And again, I'd love to perhaps we come and do an Old Testament day, a uh, New Testament day, um, and, and Rome conquers and colonizes most of what you see on that map. Um, certainly not much further than there, but certainly has all of this. And the Romans were civilized, so-called, uh, but civilizing people. They create community, they create stability. They create what's called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And into the period of the Roman peace comes Jesus. Comes John the Baptist saying, there's somebody coming whose sandals are not worthy of tying up, who's come to save us from our sin. And there was never, ever a better time to spread a gospel than in the first century. Because the Roman peace had quietened everything down. Trade prospered, movement of people happened. Everything was on the move. Everybody was going in all sorts of directions. There was trade along the North African coast. There was trade further east. There was beginning to be trade in this direction because the, the Roman Empire spread this way, didn't it? And eventually they got to us before Jesus came, 55 BC, wasn't it? Julius Caesar conquered. Um, Claudius came later, but you know, suddenly there's a huge area of real estate where you can travel and spread your ideas. And you tell me again that God doesn't have a plan. And at this time, here we have the gospel that's spreading. Um, and Paul was free to roam. Uh, I don't mean Rome, yeah, R-O-A-M. 
um, free to go uh, all around here, planting churches in Galatia here, chanting churches in Corinth and Athens and Thessalonica and Ephesus and all around here. Paul was free to run. There was trade, there was boats going, not in the winter, but they, they always sailed around in the summer and uh, they were absolutely free to go anywhere they liked. Am I right in thinking there was also common language because of that? Well, the interesting that, thing, that Jack, that's, that's really helpful, thanks mate, for mentioning that, because although the, the Romans were the colonizers and the authority, mm. the Greek Hellenistic culture yeah. was very much the common, Greek was the, the lingua franca, yeah. the, the language that was known. Um, and although Jesus spoke Aramaic, of course, which was a dialect language and local, local to him, um, everybody knew Greek who was anybody. <laughs> and suddenly, you can say something and everybody gets it. You know, I, I mean, come on guys, get excited about this stuff. Um, it's just amazing that God had this plan and ended up with this situation happening whereby it was so, so easy for the gospel to spread. And of course the hundred years of the, of the New Testament are all about that and we, we'd have to do things like the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 to release it from its Jewish bonds, to send it into the Gentile territory and there are various other things like the pastoral epistles, which I was teaching earlier this week, so I'm quite, quite close to my heart at the moment, but there's, there's lots of stuff there which you could do, but that is the Old Testament.